Thank you for coming to the podcast, Top Turtle MMA Podcast, Episode 40. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby-Vreeland, the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com, our mothership. Click on the podcast tab. Our archives live there. You, of course, can get us on TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever a podcast is being streamed, really. We have an RSS feed. And you can now catch us on MMAPodcast.com. The show itself, it's brought to you by the best mouth guard on the market. The best, Jerry. The best. Sisu, mouth guard, Gumby, they've released a new mouth guard. You got an advanced copy, a sneak peek, a preview, if you will. Tell people about it. It is the Max Guard Next Gen, and I will just tell you guys that it is far more protective than all of their other mouth guards which are already head and shoulders above their competition and it breathes just like every other sisu you've known and come to love so head on over to sisuguard.com and keep your eye out for the max guard next gen sisu's next gen the choice of a new generation sisu mouth guards brings you episode 40 of top turtle mma podcast We are rolling. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. Welcome to the fastest fight news on the planet. We're not like your other MMA podcasts that meander and lollygag and partake in general horse shit. We're going to get right to the stuff you care about, the news of the day. Gumby, are you ready? Is the timer going 15 minutes or less? We guarantee it. It's ready. All right, here we go. The big news of the week, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, I'm getting into horseshit, sorry, uh, was fined $150,000 for tossing a water bottle at the UFC 202 press conference. Your reaction to such a high fine? It's excessive, uh, obviously. That's the first thing. But the other problem with it is is that this commission has no set way that they penalize anybody. And, and that really is just leading to them you know, throwing money amounts around, trying to hit the people who make more money harder. If they had some kind of percentage of your purse or something that they fine you typically, well, to be, I'd be fine with this. Well, to be fair, I think this was a percentage of his purse. It was just so high. But because, it's arbitrary too, though. Right. Like, like oh, we're going to do 10% this time, and we're going to do 5% the next time, or this guy got 10, so throwing a water bottle is similar to, you know, kicking a speaker. You know, like, they're, they're just coming up with random amounts. There's no set criteria for what you're going to get fined. The fact that throwing a water bottle was more than when John Jones and Daniel Cormier pushed each other in the a hotel lobby. Tackled each other into some signage, right? So the fallout to this is that Dana White, and we'll get into a whole segment on things Dana White has said, because when, <laughs> when the Pope of mixed martial arts speaks, people listen. But he claims that Connor said he never wants to fight in Vegas again after such a terrible fine. I, I believe it. And not only do I believe it, I mean, he doesn't need to fight in Vegas to make money. Vegas he, needs Connor. Yeah. You you could put him in, in Dublin. You could put him anywhere in Europe. You could put him in – you're putting him in MSG. I mean, you mean to tell me he wouldn't sell out a show and pack the Staples Center in L.A.? I mean, he's going to pack wherever he is. He doesn't need Vegas. We move on to other crazy stuff Dana White said, and uh, stop me if you've heard it before. He claims GSP doesn't want to fight again. He doesn't believe it. But then, of course, we have the counter evidence that GSP is in the USADA testing pool. So that, to me, would say he wants to fight again. Yeah, it's it's that public negotiation bullshit again. And uh, GSP will be back. It's just a matter of when and where. Uh, it'll be upsetting if he doesn't make it onto that Toronto card 206. Well, speaking of people coming back and numbers that come after 206, 
Your girl, Ronda Rousey, is coming back at UFC 207. She gets the immediate title shot against current champion Amanda Nunes. What do you think? Because another female bantamweight uh, was none too pleased about it. Look, I, I get that people are mad, especially somebody like, you're talking about Lima or, or Pena, right? Juliana Pena popped off at the mouth, said she's leaving the UFC. She could go fight for Combate America. She cannot believe that Ronda Rousey, of all people, is getting a immediate First title shot. First of all, shot. I... I she uh, she's probably under contract right or, or even if she's not Pena probably has another fight left yeah, yeah she's, if she's you, not a free agent yeah if you can't if she wants to leave it's not like it's going to devastate the UFC you know they've had bigger names than her leave and the other thing is here is like you really can't believe she's getting a title shot she was the most dominant woman in the world for as long as women's MMA... She's the reason women uh, women's bantamweight championship exists. Exactly. And, and I'm not saying that women before her didn't do more for the sport. Because there are names like, you know... Uh, Gina you know, Carano. Gina Carano. Cyborg. Carla Rosa. And, you know, Roxanne Modafari. And people like that who did tons for the sport. But at the same time aren't getting the recognition, but she got all of that recognition. She brought the sport to the forefront and she was dominant for so freaking long. How can you not believe that her first fight back would be a title shot? I mean, like what sport have you been paying attention to? We we were watching, we were talking for a while about whether or not GSP had get a title shot right coming back. And he's been gone for years. What what has he been gone for five years? uh, His last fight was November of 2013. Okay. So he's been gone for three years, three full years and nobody was even scoffing at the idea that he might get the first title shot, you wouldn't be hearing Stephen Thompson saying he was going to leave the UFC if GSP got a title shot, would you? No, well said. Also worth noting that Rousey has opened as a uh, three-to-one favorite at this point. Yeah, and I kind of agree with that, and, and obviously we'll get into the breakdown more when that show is coming up in late December, but... I mean, like an over-aggressive striker versus Ronda Rousey. Have we heard that one before? Ask Kat Zingano what happens. Sure. And uh, another thing to note is that uh, Juliana Pena, not the only UFC athlete who is upset, not the only upset employee, or should I say upset independent contractor, Jose Aldo continues to say he wants out of the UFC, even went so far as to say he would throw a fight to get out of his UFC contract. Can, Can we just talk about the fact that, look, dude, you are clearly trying to fight somewhere else. Right. There's there's no way otherwise. Right. Because there there's no way their contract covers more than MMA. Right. Uh, yeah, I would imagine he can't go and box nothing, you know, in the combat, combat arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably I, couldn't do pro wrestling even. But I've seen people under UFC contract do do some uh, some grappling and stuff like that. Right. They've mm-hmm. done, you know. Uh, fight to pro and shit like that. I do think with the caveat that they get the UFC's permission, but when he says he has other endeavors, I, th- I don't... He said he non-fighting about... endeavors, did he not? Right. Or, or I... at least non-MMA endeavors. So is he talking he about kickboxing? soccer? I don't know. Uh, regardless of what he means, if he really truly doesn't want to fight anymore, like they're saying he does, then the fact that you have a UFC contract doesn't fucking matter. Well said. Go do something else. Uh, we move now to a series of... Uh, Fresh, hot, exciting matchups that have been announced. Uh, the first one to name that comes to mind, the one I'm most excited about, Doohoo Choi will be facing Cub Swanson at UFC 206. Huge battle at the featherweight division, old guard versus new guard. Yeah, and it is spelling for absolute violence. Uh, Doohoo Choi, crazy knockout power. Probably the best prospect Asia has had uh, whew, since... What the maybe fireball Ta- kid? Taki no Gomi for the first time, or uh, um, Akiyama. 
when when people were really high on Akiyama there for a while. He is better than both of those two. Uh, so it's a really, really good step up in competition. He's a top ten featherweight if he wins that one. Yeah, his toughest test to date. Uh, the another, uh, the other one of note: Paige Van Zant versus the Karate Hottie, uh, UFC strawweight division. This will be taking place UFC on Fox Twenty Two in Sacramento. I really like watching both of them fight. I think she, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure they have that as the headliner. Uh, that's probably only because it's where Van Zant trains out of. Uh, but it's, it's certainly a weird headliner to me. Maybe it's because, I mean, let's let's be honest. They're two of the most attractive ladies on the roster. That obviously plays into it also, as you mentioned, Sacramento, where Paige Van Zant's from. But let's not also forget that Paige Van Zant had the mainstream appeal of being on Dancing with the Stars this year. Absolutely. So so maybe that's a little bit of it, too. I also know that uh, Sage North got Mickey Gall's on that card, too. So maybe they're trying to do sort of the pretty boy route, too, because you got two of the... Uh, the the more attractive gentleman on that card as well. Well, if you remember, they paired Sage and Page uh, last December. Yeah, they love the Sage Page connection. They do. They do. <laughs> their their version of Barbie and Cannon. You already mentioned it. Sage Northcutt will be fighting Mickey Gall in a battle of welterweight prospects. Uh, the other fight to mention: Aljamain Sterling coming back off his loss to Brian Caraway will be fighting Rafaela Sansao in Albany in December. I'm so pumped for it too, because as you know, uh, we're Western mass guys. Uh, I will definitely be at the Albany show. So, and I'm a big Aljamain Sterling fan. This is a good competition because when a sunset was away for so long, uh, it was really, really difficult for us to tell whether or not he had lost a step or two, or if just Dillashaw was really good. So, uh, certainly interesting to see what's going to be happening in that match. I like Sterling. Uh, speaking of the bantamweight division, a uh, rumor of a co-headline for the Rousey Nunes fight on December 30th. Make note that will be a Friday. The last time the UFC had a fight on Friday, it was Lesnar versus Overeem. Overeem liver kicked Lesnar into retirement for a few years and sent him packing to the l- land of professional wrestling. That all being said, uh, the rumor of the co-headline is Dominic Cruz defending his bantamweight title against dot, dot, dot. We don't know yet. I think it's got to be Cody Garbrandt. I mean, the, there's three names out there, right? Cody Garbrandt, uh, TJ Dillashaw, John Lineker. Uh, and I, I would say John Lineker's pretty much disqualified himself via uh, not making weight. You know, mm-hmm. he, he continues to not make weight. They're not going to put him in a title shot until he proves he can probably one or two times in a row. Uh, so I would disqualify him. I think the matchup that people want right now is Garbrandt, especially after all that trash talk last time out. So uh, I would expect this to be Garbrandt pretty soon. Okay, over Dillashaw. Over Dillashaw, yeah. Mm, Very interesting. And then uh, this one is someone falling out of a fight and someone else stepping up. You have Gus uh, being injured, will no longer fight Little Nog uh, in Brazil in November. Instead, you have Ryan Bader stepping up. Yeah, that's kind of a little bit upsetting to me because I I do love Gus so much. But again, Bader, super game opponent. Um, I I think that that's a, a fun fight and good to see whether or not Little Nog is actually for real this time around. Uh, and then from the world of Bellator, Scott Coker recently told Flo Grappling that uh, Chael Sonnen versus Vanderlei Silva, a fight that was supposed to happen, I want to say two years ago exactly when all the steroid testing and when they were on the Ultimate Fighter Brazil together was supposed to happen in the UFC. Well, it never ended up happening, and uh, Bellator is going to try to capitalize on the bad blood there and book Chael versus Vanderlei. They're talking about that for summer of 2017. Mm-hmm. Is that yes. correct? Yeah, that is correct. That's one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard because I don't know if you know this Vanderlei Silva is supposed to at the beginning of 2017 fight Mirko Krokop ah. you don't walk out of a fight with Mirko Krokop like who's next right you know even when you win if you win that one 
which, by the way, he's grossly outsized in that fight. Uh, Mirko's clearly got more energy, more speed. If for some reason he makes it out of that fight, he is not going to be feeling good even if he wins. Now, that, of course, is in Risen. Um, and it is funny to think about, too. Vanderlei has a lifetime suspension, so to speak, from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Most athletic commissions in the USA follow suit to Nevada. So where would this fight even take I'm place? It would have to it's, be... it's international mm-hmm. um, because the international commissions are usually a little bit more lenient and, and kind of ignore that. Uh, and I know Bellator is doing more and more and more international stuff because last I heard, uh, they're also doing a show in Dublin now in addition to London. So um, they're expanding through Europe. You know, you might see that one in like Russia or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised at all. They got a lot of Rus- Russian dudes on their uh, their roster. Well, speaking of international, this from the strange but true department, um, perhaps the greatest heavyweight of all time, Fedor, Fedor Emelianenko. Uh, came out and uh, had some criticism of child fights taking place in Moscow, some involving uh, the Chechnyan dictator uh, Ramzan Kadyrov. Uh, he's crazy. Uh, he recently posted a couple of Instagram photos of him losing his cat uh, and also making out with a deer. It was a segment on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Very funny stuff, but no laughing matter here. After Fedor's criticism, his daughter was attacked. 16-year-old daughter was attacked coming home from school. Uh, people uh, are speculating that the two things are uh, related, obviously. And yeah, Fedor I... then actually deleted the post criticizing the dictator. Yeah, I obviously don't know very much about Chechnyan politics. I mean, I know a little bit about Russian politics, um, but but would it surprise you to hear something sketchy is kind of happening here? Uh, not at all. Um, so, I mean, really sad that his, his daughter was attacked. Uh, I, I certainly don't condone eight-year-olds and seven-year-olds doing MMA in any kind of way, whether there's helmets on or leg pads on or anything like that. You want to enroll your kid in jiu-jitsu so he can defend himself or roll, enroll your kid in karate, that's fine. Uh, but they shouldn't be out there full contact at seven years old. That's insane. Uh, totally agree. And also from the, I guess, you know, uh, when MMA meets the real world news, you have Greg Hardy, the former Dallas Cowboy, someone who I believe has been convicted of domestic uh, violence, domestic assault, uh, against a living girlfriend or wife, he uh, he said he wants to make the transition to MMA. And it, it's not going to be like a CM Punk situation, I don't believe, where it's going to happen very quickly. I think he wants to train and uh, and maybe you know try to work his way up to the UFC from how it sounds. Yeah, I, I've seen a few posts. It seems like he's trying to do it the right way, get like a full training in, try some amateur fights maybe, or maybe like a, lo- a couple low-level pro fights. Um, you know, I, I obviously get the, the gut check reaction from, from fans not wanting him anywhere near sports at all, because, you know, what he did was maybe one of the scummiest things I've ever seen in sports. Uh, but in the same token, I mean, if nothing sports offers some people a chance at redemption, uh, and, and this looks to be his attempt at it, you know, whatever way you fall on it, I won't, I won't judge anybody for feeling either way on either of those things, but I, I, you know, obviously with the caveat that that was one of the scummiest things I've ever seen. As someone who believes in second chances and all the rest, you know, he's free to go about uh, another profession. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And I do understand, though, that it is a little tied close to home because, you know, a domestic violence assault charge on his on his record and then partaking in MMA. Yeah, I definitely get both sides of that. Um, 
you know, the redemption idea versus the idea that, you know, nobody wants to support him at this point. Well said. We live in a gray world. It's not just black and white. And just to finish on something of a lighter note, we started with crazy stuff that the Pope Dana White says, uh, and we'll end on that in the same interview uh, where he announced that Ronda Rousey is coming back uh, with Colin Cowherd on FS1. He also said there is no chance that Conor McGregor will keep both belts. Uh, he's going to have to drop one. I, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, and on that same note, God, I hate Colin Coward. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will end on that. That was the fastest fight news on the planet. Kept you around 15 minutes. Didn't lollygag, didn't meander. We hope you appreciate getting all your news in one quick source. And if you want to continue to get all your news in one concise place, follow us on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. Uh, Gumby, tell them about Facebook. Uh, check out Top Turtle MMA at Facebook. Click the like button, uh, and you'll get all that news in your feed regularly, as long with, with uh, some of our betting picks and parlays. If you want to email the show, it's MMA at gmail.com. And I will also mention, you can check out Fastest Fight News on SoundCloud. It is the only podcast on the internet that gets you all your MMA news in under 15 minutes. No meandering, no lollygagging, and no horseshit. Nothing but straight news to your face. And you can follow that show at Fast Fight News on Twitter. Pretty cool, right, Gumby? Very, very cool. All right, we will transition now to our interview with welterweight prospect Lyman Good. Lyman Good fights uh, Balil Muhammad at UFC 205. This fight interview is brought to you by New England Submission Fighting, mine and Gumby's home gym. You can check out the website, AmherstMMA.com. Check them out on Facebook, New England Submission Fighting. Class is six days a week. No gi submission grappling is the specialty. And they bring you our interview with Lyman Good. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonti, and we are talking with Lyman Good, who fights at UFC 205 in New York City, November 12th, and he will be fighting Bilal Muhammad. So, uh, Lyman, you made a huge splash in your UFC debut uh, with a giant KO, uh, but you've been out for well over a year at this point, almost a year and a half. Take us through what's kind of kept you away from uh, from building on that win. Um, you know, I was grateful for that opportunity for that, uh, you know, that first shot at the UFC with my fight and, you know, the game plan worked out, um, you know, impeccably everything, you know, went according to plan and, you know, everything was great. Uh, shortly afterwards, I was given another shot at, uh, one of the UFCs in Vegas. And shortly after that, I, I, uh, got an injury, which required surgery. It was actually on my hip. So I had to take care of that, and, and that kind of sidelined me for some time, you know. And then um, ever since then, you know, I was uh, that happened in December. But, um, you know, it took some time just to heal and to get myself back in the groove of, uh, you know, training and put myself back in the drawing board. But then after that, you know, I've been uh, just for the past few months just really training hard and get back on the ball. That's about it, you know. And uh, since then, I've just really been waiting for the, for the next opportunity that they were going to give to me. Once I told the UFC that I was pretty much good to go and I'm, you know, I'm ready to go out there and do my thing, you know, time-wise, it couldn't have worked out better because it was around the time where they were already starting to assemble the card for the UFC 205 at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and obviously that's the card that everybody wanted on. Um, you know, you're born in Harlem, trained at Tiger Showman. What does it mean to you to be on that New York City card? Uh, it's I feel blessed, you know, to have this such a monumental opportunity to go out there and represent my community and represent New York and, you know, 
Um, there's just so many layers to it, you know, aside from the fact that it's the first ever UFC in New York City, you know, and the fact that it's in Madison Square Garden where many of the greats have fought, legends have fought there. You know, another layer to all this is that this is an opportunity for me to also go out there and represent and also, you know, give a little bit of motivation to a lot of aspiring martial artists who are, you know, they're from the city, they're native of New York City as well, and to kind of give them, the, you know, the uh, little glimpse of basically if you work hard, you train your ass off, and, you know, you dream big, but you work hard for it, you know, that anything's possible. So there's just many layers to it. You know, however you slice into it, it's all just, it's, it's something that I feel very blessed to be a part of. Now, tickets are running thousands of dollars a pop, obviously a big show, first uh, UFC show at MSG. Are friends and family hitting you up, giving you the old, can we get tickets for free line? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of, you know, it's rather unfortunate that the uh, price is a little steep. I mean, I understand GFC plus the Madison Square Garden and it's New York City. So it's, uh, it was kind of expected with the, uh, how steep the prices were for the tickets. But, you know, it's, uh, it's something that whether they're there in the building or not, their support, all the people who are behind me, it resonates, you know, whether they're there in person or not. You know, I'd like for them to be there, but, you know, I understand, too, with how steep the tickets are and price and stuff. But regardless, man, I'm going to go out there, whether it's New York City or somewhere else in the world, I'm going to go out there and do my thing. At the end of the day, it's just me and the person that's in the cage with me. Absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about that person in the cage with you. So you're fighting Bilal Muhammad, who is, uh, he's lately been getting a lot of recognition for his kickboxing as well. Had a hell of a fight with Muntasri and then recently uh, picked up a, a big knockout win himself. Are you expecting this one to be uh, to be fireworks fight of the night candidate? Absolutely. I mean, with his style, you know, combined with mine, I think it's, uh, it's a recipe for, for a great fight. You know, something I'm very excited for. I'm sure he is as well. And this is something that, you know, I'm, I'm training very hard for, and this is a great opportunity. I think this is a great fight. It's going to have a lot of fireworks behind it. Yeah, I'm pumped. Can't wait. Absolutely. And, and you obviously are known for your big KOs. You've got tons of KOs on your record. Uh, two of your last three wins, though, I was looking, are by submission. Uh, is there a new focus on grappling? Is there a chance we see a little bit more grappling from Lyman Good? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I think that kind of speaks a little bit of uh, – you know, volumes of my, my skill set constantly growing. You know, I don't want to plateau and just kind of be that fighter that just stays stagnant. And the same way, every time he fights, you know, I'm always out there to emerge as a different martial, uh, mixed martial artist each and every fight. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it came about after the, you know, my, um, the ultimate fighter when I was on the show, you know, and I, I worked a lot on my wrestling and my ground game and, you know, that kind of, became like a very you know it turns out to be a strong suit in my arsenal now so you know it's definitely something that you everyone should look out for as well you know something to see in my in my skill set now it's a lot of the wrestling in the ground game so yeah i'm glad you mentioned the ultimate fighter stuff too because obviously uh that's a huge turning point for a lot of people's career you also uh should be noted were the first ever welterweight champ of bellator which is is a hell of an accomplishment uh, is there any moment from your time either on Bellator or uh, the short stint on the Ultimate Fighter that you really, uh, you know, dedicate huge changes in your career to? Um, you know, it's every every opportunity I've had in the past and how it's changed me and molded me presented a lot of, you know, different things that helped me to establish the person I am today. You know, so 
every every opportunity I had when I was in Bellator molded me. The opportunities that I went through, even the one that I had on the Ultimate Fighter, you know, regardless of how uh, the outcome, you know, uh, with the outcome, it's still, you know, it was something that made me realize, and it, it kind of tested me. It was like, how bad do you really want it? You know, it was bad enough for me to go back and to, you know, become a better fighter and to go back out there and fight my way into the UFC one way or another. You know, so I, I'm I'm definitely grateful for any any and all opportunities that I've had in the past. You know, I couldn't be happier with my resume. And it, it certainly is a hell of a resume too. So, uh, you know, you you seem like a pretty humble guy, but uh, I always love to uh, to sort of wind down the the interview with the question: uh, Can we get a prediction? What happens November twelfth when you step in the cage with Bilal Muhammad? I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna win. That's my only prediction. And I'm training hard for this, and this is something I'm going to go out there and, you know, uh, whether it's in New York City or anywhere in the entire world, like I said before, at the end of the day, it's me and the person that's in, across from me in that cage, and I'm training really hard to go out there and to reign victorious and be the one with the hands raised at the end of the fight. Very well said. Well, this has been Top Turtle MMA Podcast talking to Lyman Good. He fights Balil Muhammad at uh, UFC 205, the debut show in New York City at MSG, uh, and look for it to be a sneaky, under-the-radar radar candidate for a fight of the night uh, and potential performance of the night. Lyman, we thank you so much for the time, and we wish you luck in the fight. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Appreciate it. All right, there you have it, Gumby. Lyman Good. Yeah, and he's fighting Bilal Muhammad at UFC 205, and you know that they're thinking very highly of these two prospects. That is the only fight on the card where neither of the fighters have headlined their own card. Wow, that's pretty crazy. That Yeah, UFC 205 is as stacked as stacked can be, and that's kind of like your one under-the-radar prospect fight. Yeah, it's You're right. literally the only under-the-radar fight on there. Well, speaking of 205, that's November 12th. The next UFC card is November 5th, which will be RDA versus Tony Ferguson. So we're in what I would call a three-week lull here. Is there anything else from the biggest MMA nerd I know that we should keep on our radar here? Yeah, there's some legacy fights in there. Uh, legacy is always good for a fighter, too. You'll also have a new CES card coming up. Uh, I have to double check the date on that, but I think that that's either early November or late October. Um, so check out those two shows. Uh, th those minor promotions always give you some good stuff. And hey, if you want to take a trip down memory lane, there's always old pride shows on Fight Pass. That's, <laughs> that's where Dave Tremonti will be. Um, and, you know, I also one bit of news that I guess didn't really fall into MMA, but us being two grappling nerds, I wanted to mention uh, next year, early 2017, EBI is going to introduce open palm strikes into their grappling competition. It's one of the few things that Eddie Bravo has said about this competition that I hate. Uh, I Ooh. know he was he's a big fan of what he calls combat jujitsu. Um, he was trying to make it big before and tried to make a card about it before. Um, but it, I, I think it either fell flat or got no publicity. Uh, and then that's when he started EBI. EBI did great. And now it looks like he's trying to take the success of EBI and like shove his old stuff in our face. But I really don't like it because we're looking at it as sport jujitsu and he's basically making it look like, like pussy MMA, right? Like, excuse the expression, but it's like MMA only you can't close your fist. 
Grab him by the pussy MMA, Gumby says. Oh, no, I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, don't don't ever quote me on that. <laughs> no, no, no. The uh, what I'm what I I agree with you on is EBI to me was this great representative of uh, submission grappling, and now does it almost is he admitting something was wrong with it? I think, to be honest, I don't think he's admitting something is wrong with it. I think that the idea of combat jujitsu was like his brainchild because I know he was into it like five years ago and it was his brainchild. And now that he has something that's stable and, and has already built itself on its own, he wants to see if he can slip it back in now because I'm pretty sure he tried it before and it failed. And, and you can we can put the intern on this one if we want, but I'm fairly certain what he's doing is he's taking an old failed idea and trying to piggyback on EBI. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing I do have to say is I do like the idea of because as a huge submission grappling nerd um, and someone who has fallen in love with leg locks, which I guess you could kind of say to your term is a little on the expletive MMA side. You know, you don't see a lot of that in a real fight. Obviously, I probably wouldn't pull guard on concrete in a street fight and try to heel hook or ankle lock someone. I I, I probably would. I'd go, go, go. (laughs) But, uh, you know, so I do like the idea of trying to make jujitsu a little more realistic to a fight and keep it honest. So I do like it from that aspect. I just don't know why it had to be EBI that did it because EBI became its own entity um, and really the first and most successful submission grappling competition. Yeah. And again, I, I think it's because he thought that if he made a completely separate thing, it would fail. But if he piggybacks on top of EBI, which already has a huge fan base, it's going to succeed, even though it's this thing that real submission grappling fans most likely do not want to see. Well, at this point, I think that would end up being like EBI 10. And I do understand that maybe in the first 20 to 25 shows, he's going to experiment a bit. I know there was a rumor there for a while he was going to do an all girl show, which would have been cool. And maybe this is just sort of the growing pains of submission grappling. EBI is has kind of become like the UFC of submission grappling. Um, it's a risky move. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll need to see it to, I'll withhold judgment until I see it. Yeah. I'm not sure I'll withhold judgment, but uh, I'll allow you to <laughs> fair enough. Well, this has been another episode of top turtle MMA podcast. We so appreciate you tuning in. We so appreciate our sponsor, Sisu Mouthguard. Give us a follow, give us a download, write a review of the show. Um, you know what? Even if you hate us, write a review too. Uh, we appreciate the listenership. Either way, this is David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. We will be back next week as we go into week number two of no UFC fights. We'll catch you next time.